I don't know. Have you ever scored from a corner, Karen? Have you ever oh, taken a corner? I've, I've never. Absolutely not. I only give them away. Okay, let's talk about the Irish boys. Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. The Koi Gig pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Everyone ran their socks off tonight and they left everything out there. I'm very proud of the, the team's performance. Let the shackles off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello there and welcome to episode 17 of the Koi Gig Pod, OTB's home of everything WSL, Irish football and all the bits in between. I'm Karen Duggan and we didn't scare her off just yet. Back alongside me is the one and only Ruth Fahey. Before we get started on our football chat, how was your weekend, Ruth? Um, my weekend was actually not very busy, which was amazing. I was getting ready to start a new job today, so I'm so very time tired. to watch loads of football. Is what I'm. Oh hearing. yeah, sorry, so. I watch loads of football. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, well, we'll also we'll be helped out by Emma Carroll a little later on. So Emma will will whip us into shape with her WSL team of the week. And after that, joining us all the way from Florida, Ireland's 2021 PFAI International Women's Player of the Year, Heather Payne will be joining us. But first of all, let's get back to this weekend's action. Start with the Women's National League here in Ireland. Ireland. Um, Probably the the standout game that everyone was looking forward to was Shells and Wexford, just to kind of like gauge how each of them are are going. Um, Both favourites for the title probably, but maybe had... A slow start to the season for both of them. Um, so that was obviously disappointing. So I guess we'll move on to the other game. Um, <laughs> nothing too much of note. P-Mount Galway. What did you make of that one, Ruth? Yeah, well, I would argue that most people were actually looking to this one to see would you? Uh, yeah, how it was going to go. Because there's a little bit of a build-up and everything, and obviously... There was a bit of bantering from the Galway admin on social media, all right. It didn't didn't go unnoticed. Um, You're very sensitive. You're a very sensitive bunch altogether. Um, But really, that was a terrible move, because obviously you went down and absolutely dominated. I saw the first, most of the first half, I was... Double watching between that and the rugby, not going to lie. Two, I thought Chloe Maloney's goal was brilliant. I thought it was an unbelievable header and I saw Steph's goal. I just played it back. Um, But yeah, tell me, what, how do you feel it went? What happened to Bali? You know what, it it wasn't actually a 4-0 difference. I I actually think that neither keeper was overly busy. It's just that we got, we were clinical when we did get the chances. Um, I wouldn't be reading too much into it this early in the season, but obviously it was good for us to just kind of get that monkey off our back. Um, I do think we were a bit nervous and then we kind of saw the banter and stuff on Twitter and we were like, okay, let's just go out and and play this and just forget about, try and forget about last season. Um, But look, it was a good performance. It wasn't pretty, like conditions made everything pretty bad. I think the Bows and Athlone game, they shared the spoils. The conditions in that game looked really, really tough. So a really tough slog for them um, and a well-earned draw for both of them. I don't think either would be disappointed with that result. No, I thought just seeing that lined up, I thought that'd be a tight game. Um, And from all reports, it was. I think Bows may have had a couple more chances, but the conditions were absolutely wild and miserable. I think they're worse in the East than the West, which rarely happens. Um, but nothing too surprising there. I did have eyes then on the Sligo game. That's a first home game, obviously, um, in the showgrounds. And they got almost 1,000 spectators there, which is really, really impressive and a good sign of things to come there. They're obviously building and doing the right things. Um, but ultimately suffered a 3-0 defeat from DLR, who are going to be strong. I know it's only two games in, um, but 
you have to say the depth in that squad, the firepower up front, something there. Yeah, definitely. A lot of people are, are pegging them as ones to watch. Um, but like we say, early days in our season, there's a bit more tension going on over in the WSL. Um, I think it was four of the six games this weekend were decided by just a single goal. Um, one of those and probably the most important one in terms of that league title race was the 1-0 win that Chelsea got over Aston Villa the 92nd minute I think Sam Kerr popped up with that goal yeah a tough week for Chelsea as a football club you would have to say I wonder was that seeping in and then they had a goal disallowed for offside and you're kind of thinking oh is it going to be their day Mm-hmm. But they stuck at it and you could tell what it meant to them. Even like Emma Hayes was jumping around, getting involved in the celebrations. Because um, there must be, it must seep down a little bit into the team, that mm-hmm. uncertainty. Because people are talking about it around the men's team. But often in the women's team, that uncertainty is already there. You are a little bit of a second secondary thought. So do yeah. you think that that was on their minds in any way? I'd say um, it had to have been, to be honest, because uncertainty... Uh, is as you say, it's quite common in the women's game, but it doesn't often happen in the men's game in that nature, you know, mm-hmm. or to the gra- with that gravity as well. Um, and it's a weird type of uncertainty as well, because obviously the nature of the circumstances and uncertainty ultimately leads to anxiety. Um, so a weird week, but you could see, like I say, the celebrations and Emma Hayes celebrated with them and expressed how proud she was afterwards that they managed to pull through because not only was it such a weird week for them internally in the club but they're missing so many key players as well um, and that Villa were sensational I thought they really put it up to them they actually hit the post didn't they in the dying moments as well um, so when Kara scored talk about the celebration I was yeah, meant to be that one day wouldn't top be. off <laughs> a bit cold for that to be honest I would have thought uh-huh. but look never Go for it. <laughs> yeah, I suppose 92nd minute. I've never scored a 92nd minute winner. I don't know what it feels like. So, um, yeah, fair play to her. She she did the business for them. Um, their title rivals, Arsenal, didn't have as hard a day at all. Uh, 3-0 win over Brighton, who are mm-hmm. just probably the most inconsistent team in the league, you'd have to say. Um, we didn't have our usual Irish interest. Connolly was on the bench, which I was surprised mm-hmm. by because she's been key to kind of those set pieces that they've been doing so well from in the last couple of games. Katie McCabe was on the bench. Um, we did still have Megan Walsh she pulled off a few saves but Arsenal were just far too strong yeah they're just getting better and better aren't they they're unbelievable just such a well-oiled machine I was really surprised and really disappointed that Connolly wasn't starting as well um, she's been so good of late as well so I actually could have been I know it's 3-0 at half time could have been 6 or 7 Megan Walsh was outstanding mm-hmm. I don't know if you caught some first saves a couple of double saves uh, just really strong couple of good blocks of their feet as well. Um, definite contender for team of the week. Um, Blaxinius, again, getting better and better. And Miedema, I don't know, she's just an enigma. Yeah, that, that partnership. <laughs> like, as people spoke about that partnership, they were like, oh, well, this take away from Miedema's game. But it, it hasn't in any way. Like, when you have two world-class strikers, they're going to complement each other realistically, unless there's egos involved. But they're two very hard-working players as well as having an abundance of yeah. talent. Yeah, and there's definitely ego there, but it seems to be managed in the right, right way. And the way they linked up in the first goal, I don't know if you saw the little nutmeg from Miedema. Yeah, and just teeter up with the movement from Blaxinius to actually get in a position to finish as well. Yeah, they're just a beautiful... Is it a little bit of a warning shot for Ireland playing Sweden now in their next international window? Do we pay special attention to Blaxinius? Is that impossible? Is that possible to even yeah. pay special attention to her? <laughs> I don't know. Obviously, ideally, we don't want her scoring and scoring two goals and playing in the form she's playing in is not ideal, but uh, the task will already be so enormous yeah. that I don't think that will add too much to it, yeah. Yeah, it'll be a big one. What um, another the, probably really interests me is that fight for the third spot. Um, mm-hmm. So City and Spurs 
City on the kind of comeback trail, Spurs, who started really brightly in the league and um, kind of on a little bit of different trajectories. It was a tense game, but again, Caroline Weir was the one who was the difference and she's scored, I think, her fifth goal in four games. So she's really stepping up for Man City when they need her most. I wouldn't be surprised if they pipped that third spot. And we'll talk about Man United as well because they're very, very strong. But City, they're, they're nearly back to their their old selves, nearly back to their best and they still have a couple of injuries to deal with. Yeah, definitely. And it's nice to see them play the way that they should be playing. Like I said, it was a really tense game, a really tight game. So important for City because they obviously need to beat the teams around them. I think they're two points off Spurs now with the game in hand, which is amazing. And as you say, we're popping up with their fifth goal. It was a real scrappy, uh, scruffy goal as well. Mm. And it was that kind of game though. Spurs limited City. They they did stick to their task. They probably knew that City are coming into this vein of form and you can't just go out and play against a team like that. Yeah, definitely. And the Spurs defence, like massive credit and they're really, really strong. The pitching conditions weren't great either, uh, to be fair. But yeah, credit to, to Caroline Weir again. She did hit the post, um, but that goal was so massively important. And I don't know, City are just, they're driving ahead, aren't they? Like they're peaking yeah. at just the right time. And I, I fancy them uh, to definitely pip Spurs, if not go further. Yeah, so the one that they will probably have their eye on then is Man United. Um, great to see Diane Caldwell nailing down her spot week in week out like I don't know <laughs> Real. yeah it's so amazing like, it's oh so gosh. so impressive because yeah they they concede the odd goal Man United but they always look like they're going to score more than the opposition Um, like Russo and Galton up front they're such a handful I actually really like watching Russo play she's just so powerful I'd yeah. hate to be marking her like hate <laughs> Unstoppable. Yeah, she just like power is is the way to describe her. And she's also so clinical. I think it was her assist for Galton's goal to make it 2 1. It was like the most beautiful. Perfect. We can back like, oh, yes, it was just gorgeous. Um, deep inside her own half as well um, that was to make it 2-1 and then she made it 3-1 herself with an unbelievable strike from the edge of the box although it was already a goal the ball had crossed the line it wasn't even a question it was about a metre and a half and they didn't even appeal I think it's just because in in the next immediate phase of play uh, she scored like an unbelievable goal they just forgot about the most horrendous decision <laughs> yeah and it's one of those ones like I know earlier in the season there was a few refereeing decisions and there was speaking of should we have VAR but we should certainly have goal line technology if that's going to be the case exactly. like you said that ball was nearly rippling the stands like it was so far <laughs> over the line I think goal line technology wanted to come in if that's going to be a the measurements, but to be fair to Mary Earps as well, um, she was a really important double save in the end, and she was mm. she was consistent throughout the game. So, I think that's six wins and eight matches for United, um, huge win, and just goes how, how much they're you know how clinical they are as well. And when you have the likes of Russo on form, like she is, uh, combining with Galton, yeah, the two at the bottom, sure. then um, Birmingham and Leicester succumbing to to defeats um, again just won by a single goal West Ham not a pretty game this one um, not a pretty game at all but <laughs> West Ham just got it over the line as they would expect to I suppose given Burnham's yeah, I, said, I wouldn't have you know what a game like that really should have been at all sometimes mm. football just doesn't deserve goals you know yeah. <laughs> to be honest <laughs> Um, and I, I felt I felt for Birmingham and just goes to show like the goal they conceded from Adriana Leon was just really poor defending from a set piece uh, she just came in late wasn't tracked and just finished the one kind of bright spark again was Lucy Quinn I thought she worked mm. hard she created um, a couple of kind of half chances and to be fair to her she's putting herself in the shop window and I don't want 
it's a, a little bit disrespectful to say that to a team who's still battling, um, but she, she mm-hmm. has been like a bright light for them. Emily Whelan nearly kind of created a half chance as well. I thought in first instance that it was a penalty that she'd been taken down by Sissoko, but I think on replay it was... Yeah, replay was actually a brilliant tackle. Times. Yeah, she she yeah. just she had to time that to perfection because Emily is so quick. Um, but it was great to see her on the pitch because yeah. she's someone who we hold in high regard anyone who's played against her um, when she was with Shelburne she's such an exciting talent so the more game time she can get the better she's going to get so hopefully it's a sign of things to come for her um, and then the final game Everton Leicester I don't know did we expect this to be the five goal thriller out of all of the games <laughs> at the weekend um, but it was it was tit for tat and often kind of Everton they've started well and they've gone a goal down and then they've kind of I guess just not had the character to come back they did that this time so I think that that will be really really pleasing from an Everton point of view yeah 100% agree I think it was an absolutely brilliant opening 45 um, and they made it three, win- three wins in a row for Everton which is important for them like you say they haven't shown a huge amount of character so far in the season but they clawed it back through Duggan and Angevard who was really stand out in this 90 minutes Um poor enough equaliser to concede I think it was just really poor defending and that winner from Angovar in the second half kind of a weird one did you get to see that like it was yeah, she, you just presumed she was offside she didn't even celebrate I assume that was it because it was I don't know yeah she time. did I mean but it was def- the defender was the person who who changed the course of the path into Angovar's so it was a legit goal it was a t- very deft tidy finish a very natural mm. finish out of her so um, if that had been a through ball played we'd have been saying oh that's brilliant but yeah it was it was a weird one she was nearly afraid to celebrate we see that a lot in the men's game because they're waiting for the VAR decision yeah. but um, no it was it was she was definitely in an offside position but they got the look at the green and I think they definitely deserved it I think Leicester at times were just that little bit sloppy at the back and they probably deserved to be punished in the way that they were yeah totally agree yeah, so it was all go and we will have more next week on that. So the Koi Gay pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. If you have any opinions, suggestions or thoughts on what we've just been discussing, Women's National League or WSL or Irish football in general, get them into us on Twitter at Off The Ball using the hashtag OTB Koi Gay. We would love to hear them. Now it's that time of the podcast where we welcome Emma Carroll onto the show. Emma, how hard was it to pick this week? I'm just going to start off the bat. No Irish players? No, I know. How, I how are you? Like, do, you on. do you need to talk about it? Are you okay? <laughs> are we, do we need to go into Ruth's deep, meaningful conversation? Yes, let's do that. I took my temperature earlier. Yeah. I'm okay. Um, <laughs> it was a difficult one this week. They, I do have some kind of on the subs bench, but they mm. just didn't quite make it. I think the goalkeeping spot was probably the toughest spot this week. I think there was a lot of um, shouts for goalkeeper, but I went with Hannah Hampton. I thought she was excellent against Chelsea and they were just kind of unlucky to not get the point in the end. Um, in defence, then I've got Svitkva. I think I said her name right. Sardusky, Percival and Charles and then in midfield of Valti and Stanaway and then Galton, Miedema, Russo and Blackstenius up front. Yeah, well, there's definitely no arguing with the top four from me. Um, the two combinations we already mentioned already, um, Galton and Russo. Yeah. So such a handful and they're different in how they play like Midima and Blackstenius. They're kind of like technical and they have that kind of movement whereas Russo and Galton just kind of bully defences into submission. So they're both equally enjoyable to watch, but in very different ways. Um, so I can't argue with you there. I do agree the goalkeeper spot was a tough one, but Hammond Hampton, she nearly earned them 
fill out a famous draw there. Yeah, I I had a few. I literally had about four keepers down. So yeah, I did have I'm four. Not, yeah, good thing I don't have your job, Emma. But <laughs> we'd be here for a couple of hours. Um, Megan Walsh. I suppose they were comprehensively beaten, but it could have been mm. an annihilation without her, couldn't it? Yeah. She was particularly the first twenty five minutes. Oh my god, just yeah, her bombarded and her agility, uh, incredible, amazing, and obviously, I I really would put my money on you picking her now, Emma. You've shown <laughs> a different, a darker side to yourself. See, I do have a team if you can, like three goals concede. If it had been yeah. two nil, she probably would have. But the three, yeah, yeah. I just I couldn't, just couldn't justify it. True, yeah. fair I thought Mary Becky Spencer well. was brilliant as well, and Mary Earps as yeah. well. They're brilliant weekend for goalkeepers, really. It was. I had Spencer and Spurs. I don't have any too many complaints. Um, the top mm. four, as I was looking, imagine actually having a team of Galton, Miedema, Russo, and Blackstonies together. And I couldn't even get Tune in there, and I think Tune was just class. Yeah, we usually have her in there. To yeah. be fair, we just couldn't fit her in. Um, yeah, but, Stanway, I've been really impressed with Stanway over the last couple yeah. of weeks. Um, I thought she was standing out in the Conte Cup final. She just seems to be growing a growing confidence. Obviously, we know her quality, but sometimes she, she, I don't think she's been as consistent as this, you know, in quite some time. Uh, she definitely deserves. I didn't, I, I'm surprised you had her in there, but I'm very impressed, Emma. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I, it would have been easy to go at where, you know, getting the goal mm. again. Um, it's probably the scrappiest goal she's ever scored, I'd say. But um, no, I thought Steinway was really good. And City had so much possession as well and so much went through her mm. that um, it was actually a really good City midfield that retrieved and Walsh, Steinway and where we're all excellent, really. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just thought over time and she just, she can play anywhere. Like, you know, yeah. really raging that we didn't get to see her in goal that time a couple of months ago when she <laughs> had the jersey ready to go yeah. just in case but um, yeah I think she earned her spot and then I think Valdi kind of her work goes unnoticed I think a lot of the time because Arsenal have so many quality players around and little probably gets yeah, so much of the plot it's a lot of time but yeah. Valdi just protecting that back four going about it quietly and just some of her passing as well at the weekend I just thought was excellent yeah it's interesting you say that because See, you could, if you wanted to, you could probably justify having Kim Little in the team of the week every week. And you're right, the attention does naturally gravitate towards her. And my, I think maybe my eyes follow her because she's so intelligent in her movement. Um, and maybe you wouldn't even spot how good uh, wealthy is beside her. Uh, so yeah, again, I have to, yeah, I have no complaints. No complaints. So this week, this week has gone yeah, quite easy. Yeah. Well, now I, I did obviously have personal <laughs> kind of out of position. She played in right yes. back, um, but I just thought. Uh, Charles had two good games with the midweek I, game as well I thought she was excellent and I just thought the Spurs defence um, was brilliant against City they kept them really at bay so I think having two of them in there was um, justified really Yeah we're usually talking about Chelsea's attack line to be fair because they have so many options up there but the amount of work that Charles cut through um, she just didn't give the ball away either and, and loved to tackle Um and you just like to see that. I think that's why so many people love watching Katie McKay play in that league. Yeah. Like she's just like out and out raw kind of go for it. And we saw that out of Charles um, and they needed that because they needed that doggedness to, to pull that out of the bag and finally get past Hannah Hampton. Um, so yeah, she did really well. We usually have Leah Williamson in there. She again could have been in with a shout just because of her long passing. But um, yeah, those centre-backs can't really argue with them either. Percival Zdorsky, Julie Flaherty might have been in with the shout. She she kept West Ham going well, but I think Svitkova was probably the the standout one, um, heavily involved down the left, 
crucial contribution to her team's winner. Um, yeah. So they were at the small little margin. So definitely good to see her in there. Um, Everton maybe deserved a shout out just because we don't mention them that much. So yeah. I think we talked about Anvigard. Um, she was she was definitely the, the difference. They wouldn't have won without her. Um, she scored one, set up one. Um, but where would you fit her in? That's the, <laughs> That's only the problem. problem. Like, I'm, I'm not asking you to drop four. any of these players. I'm just giving her an honourable mention. <laughs> yeah, no, she deserves an honourable mention as well. And I think somebody else that deserves an honourable mention um, was Kaya Simon. She went off injured, but I thought she was a great outlet and she's really been um, showing herself in the last few games for Spurs as just somebody that that's really driving Spurs on up front. Um, I've been really impressed with her the last couple of weeks and yeah, it's a pity that she went off injured because I think it was probably a little bit of a game changer as well in that City Spurs game. They kind of just Who's getting your end up lacking. for the, that final Champions League place, Emma? If you had to call it now, who's getting it? City, United or Spurs? Mm. United are looking good. I think it's going to be between United and City. I think yeah. Spurs just won't. I think they'll just fall short. Um, yeah, City's form, it's hard to write them off because they've never finished outside the top two or something. Mm. So for them to finish outside the top three would be a crazy thought. But considering their start, the start of the season that they have, if they were to get that third, it would be very impressive. Um, very impressive since we were talking about <laughs> outfield players nearly talking out in goal and things like that. Like they were, they were really, really struggling. Um, but the fact that they already have silverware as well this year, I mean, their confidence must be um, on the up and getting over the line against Spurs will definitely be a big one. Um, you can tell their manager, he was very relieved, very happy with that one. Um, so, yeah, I think I wouldn't wouldn't write them off. I'm putting United up there just because I'm a United fan. <laughs> That's just biased. So Yeah, I think my heart says United, but my head says City. Yeah, my heart will never say United. Um, <laughs> not really City, City either. But uh, <laughs> lesser of two evils, is that it? <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't know. Bad well, as each other, really. We will continue <laughs> to keep an eye out, and I'm sure we will see a lot more of the players represented from those three Champions League chasing teams in Emma's teams of the weeks to come. What do you reckon out there that Emma Naila with her selections again? I actually think me and Ruth did and we never agree on anything. So that was, that was pretty good. Um, but if you felt ever. like if you felt like someone was left out, um, if you think Emma should go back to her Irish bias, please let us know on Twitter at off the ball using the hashtag OTB now, we have more westerly influence from our guest on the podcast this week coming to us from Florida via Balanaslo is Heather Payne. Heather, welcome to the Koi Gig podcast. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're delighted. Now, I don't want to start off on a bad note or I don't want to start any beef that, you know, you and Ruth probably don't know each other that well, but Ruth does claim that Balanaslo isn't real Galway. I never said that. I, I have a voice note claiming it. I have to answer. I swear I have to answer this question every time. So as I don't know if anyone knows, but Bangsol's on the border. So in terms of soccer, I always say I'm from Holloway, but when it comes to GA, I have to say I'm from Roscommon. Because I live on that side of the border, so I can't be going to say I'm from Galway. But I played Gaelic and I came from Roscommon, so. So do you actually live on the Roscommon side? Yeah, I do. But like soccer, when I went to play underage soccer, like with Bangasnow, it was across the border, so it was in Galway. 
So it's just, it's complicated, but... It's a very good thing. It's where the heart is. Yeah. Exactly. Now, you're obviously not in Ballinasloe now. You are in Florida. I don't know if it's middle of the day there or what, but you are playing for Florida State. Um, most people will know that. Um, Florida State 2021 NCAA champions. For those of us who don't know, can you put context on how big of an achievement that is, like in terms of the level of participation in college soccer in America? Like That is a huge deal. Um, yeah, it's a really big deal, of course, college soccer and college sports over in America is such like a huge um, thing. It's how like young people get into college. It's how um, it's just how the uh, sporting system works, really. So basically, it's a uh, division one. So there's three divisions: there's division one, two, and three. So we are the division one um, NCAA national championships for 2021. Um, so there's thousands and thousands of colleges that play, and basically it's like you're the number one division one soccer team, women's soccer team in the whole country of the US. So um, regarding with the US having three hundred million people and the amount of colleges that there is, it is it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's pretty big now. Great, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Speaking of big deals, you were named on the ACC team of the year in your first season playing centre back. (laughs) Talk us through how that happened because. That's weird. In fairness, it's so. As a winger or an attacking player to go centre back, like the likes of myself and Karen, it was always going to happen. It was always going to happen to us. Old and kind of clumsy and stuff, but you were a little flyer and yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I had no idea about that. Um, You obviously transitioned very well, 19 sheets as well. Um, yeah, so when I committed, I was obviously committing to Florida State as a winner, um, etc. But um, I think over the summer, their like, center back got injured to tore ACL. So um, they haven't recruited any defenders. So the manager came to me at the beginning of the season. He was like, I can see you're good with the ball, etc. And he was like, we're going to try you out as center back and you know, we'll see how it goes. He's, you know, he's a manager. He's known to like... Being very uh, diverse with his players, he like changes them around a lot. So if you're going into uh, Florida State as like a number nine striker, you might end up as like a, a fullback. You never know with him. So um, basically, he asked me and he tried me there, and um, he was happy with me. So I just stayed there for the full season. Um, it was quite an adjustment, of course, because I played many rap. Of course, I'd always been playing my whole life, but. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a big adjustment, but it was a good experience actually. Like I'm glad I did it because it was it was something that I learned how to defend more, and I don't know there things that I would have never learned at being in there. But I'm glad I'm not there anymore. As such, well, we have seen like a diverse like you've played in a lot of positions, even say on the Irish team at this point, from like wing back to part of a top two to an out and out striker by yourself, um, just literally burning up ground um or what was it Nifa you said half human half horse oh yeah <laughs> but in terms of like your fitness I think every time we watch an Ireland game like or just everyone who's there is like I can't believe how much she runs and how fit she is and obviously you were playing centre back when you first moved to America but like was there a massive change in just your physicality when you went to America, did you have to adjust or were you always, did you always kind of have that level of fitness or is this very much the American way that that's drilled into you first and foremost? 
I do think I've always been someone who's kind of just had good stamina and kind of, I've always kind of had good fitness just from doing cross-country running when I was younger and like doing swimming and doing like 10 different sports at once. So I think that's kind of stood to me. Um, but of course, I think over the years I've been in America, I think my fitness has gotten better. And even just like physicality, and they're very good at working on it like, your running gait and everything so i think even in terms of speed i think i've gotten a bit quicker but i think personally i think i've just always had i don't know what it is but i just had a good pair of lungs i guess um but yeah so of course america you hear like they always they're very much into fitness and strength and like it is something they focus on but um yeah for me i think i was just i'm just lucky that way i don't know i just i don't know i'm good i have good stamina and stuff so you're being modest there, Eddie. You're definitely lucky, but you're also very, 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 very high work rate as well. Um, talk us through a little bit of preseason. I know that like American College is notorious for a really, really intense preseason. I was there for one one semester or one year. Um, it was three weeks, and we literally trained three times a day. Like you'd be going home, taking a really brief nap for ten minutes, and going again. Is it is it very, very intense or? Um, so. Basically, our season starts at the end of August, so our preseason is actually kind of short. Um, it runs from the beginning of August to like the middle of August, so it's like two weeks, and you'll just train twice a day. And when you come in in August, it's not so much. I know the two different colleges are different, but what I like about our college is that we just kind of focus on the technical side of things and like football side of things which is like good those two weeks in august you come back you're kind of expected to come back fit so we'll do like a fitness test the first day and you have to get like a certain level for example it's like 40 and if you don't pass that then you're just like considered you haven't worked over the summer and you kind of frowned upon so you kind of don't want to be coming back unfit um but for those two weeks it's very yeah it's very tired you train twice a day um you, know, you, you go and you train in the morning, you come back and nap, like you said, and then you go again in the evening. But um, then you have, like, in spring, starting from January to April, when you start, it's like kind of like an off season, but not really. You play like a few friendly games, but that's when they really focus on like your fitness and your strength. Mm-hmm. So then you'll be training like double days at the beginning of spring, so for January and February. And you'll be training like one day, it'll be. It'll be like training and then it'll be like conditioning or it'll be training and lifting um, for like a whole month straight or a month and a half straight until you can train with the team then again. So um, it's like, it's a very different system as set up to like anywhere else in the world, I guess, because it's such a short season from August to December and then you finish and then you just start back in spring again and it's just all it's like a very long preseason so um it's very interesting but um i don't know it's very different i prefer to have like whole year round how it has been everywhere else really but it's good it's nice to have the spring to work on things that you need to work on whether it's technical or like fitness or strength so it is it's good yeah is it still a rule where you're actually not allowed to touch the ball for a certain amount of weeks like it would, I don't know if that was like a college or whatever, but we were, it was just gym only for until a certain date and then we're back out on the pitch again. Um, so, there, yeah, there's like a rule. It's not exactly like you can't touch the ball, but there's a rule that for the first like month, say for January, it's called like eight hours. So you can only work eight hours of the week with 
coaches, I think. So we just be put into individual groups and go training for like an hour, and that'll be it each day. And then it comes to like mid February, and it's changed to 20 hour weeks where then the team gets back together. So you might see some of your teammates, not see them, but you might train with some of your teammates for like a whole month, just based on like, I don't know, what group you're in for training and stuff. And the team doesn't train together then until like 20 hours, like I said. So it's strange, but I guess it's just the way they do it over here. Yeah. And I want to ask you quickly about your course. I'm not going to get to it. Don't worry, Karen. Um, but yeah, if you're studying dietetics, by room five. Is, that, <laughs> is it dietetics you're studying? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, studying dietetics. Okay, what year are you in? I'm junior, so it's third year. Very good. Um, in one of my midlife crises, I actually studied dietetics. Well, no. <laughs> Trinity and, and DIT. Uh, I did a year of it. It's unbelievably challenging. It's, it's a, like a really, really tough course. But I, I kind of wanted to go for the sports nutrition side and it was very much general science. Is that your um, hope to kind of go on to, to specialise in sports nutrition or is it more general clinical um, no, so I'm still trying to figure it out, but I think um, that's what I like about dietetics. You have so many options, you know, you're not just like given this is what you have to do and that's it. So, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm open to go into the sports side. Once I finish, I'm going to try play somewhere for a while, hopefully when I finish and then try join the team and I don't know, become a sports dietitian. Um, that's what I want to do, but um, I like the side of, that side of things. We're learning a lot in classes and stuff, so we're learning like the different um the different things you can go into. So sports is definitely something that I'm probably most interested in, of course. I have only one question, Karen, on this, I won't go further. Okay. But like do you get nerdy then about kind of pre-match rituals? Like would you be focusing on milligrams of caffeine or do you take creatine or are like are you has that kind of filtered into your sporting life or are you still just kind of researching and learning? Um, I'm still learning, of course, but I've learned that caffeine isn't actually as bad as people say before games. Yeah. Um, I've always had coffee, you know, before a game, and I think everyone, it's nearly everyone's pre-match ritual, so, um, I definitely continue on that, but I haven't, I haven't come up with anything else so far. Okay, well, we'll, we'll watch this space. We'll watch this. <laughs> yeah. You didn't go straight into college. So obviously I joined PMA, so you decided to leave. Um, and you went to Bristol. <laughs> Don't um, was, was it ever in your head that you would just stay playing football or did you always kind of have America in your mind or have college in your mind? So I always get asked this question and it's a bit insane because I never, I never wanted to go to America. So America was off like the grid for me. I just... From when I was finishing school in my agency, I had heard people go to America, but I hadn't even thought twice about it. I was like, no, I didn't even look at any colleges, didn't get into the whole recruiting. I was just like, okay, we'll stay, do my college, uh, etc. But then Bristol came along, and of course, that was an interesting year. I learned loads in Bristol. I'm so glad I did it, and it was great for my football development and everything. But then I hit a point where I was like, I need to get my education and I was like, I'm not really sure where to go because, you know, it's, it's hard to organize education in England and then get a good club at the same time. And of course, I'd already left Ireland, so I didn't really want to go back. So then I kind of started thinking about America and um, I knew that the two Megan, so Megan Connie and Megan Campbell had both went to Florida State. So I was like, okay, 
I'll like look into that and got in contact with the manager and we talked and I like committed then in May and arrived in August. So it was a very last minute thing because you have um, my teammates here who've committed since they were like 15 and then they're going to college here and I committed when I was 18 and arrived, or I committed when I was 19 and arrived when I was 19. So yeah, but it was very, I'm so glad I did it. It was very, I don't know how it came across or it was very last minute and kind of just up in the air um, decision, but it was a good decision in the end, for sure. Very good decision, um, considering you're the current PFAI International Player of the Year. Congratulations, by the way. And you. um, you're probably one of the most humble people I know, so you probably hate all this, but that's an award that's voted for by your teammates. That must feel extra special in that way um, because obviously there's a lot of big names on the Irish team these days as most girls are playing professionally you're obviously playing at a massively high level but you're still in college um, what did that feel like for you? Of course it was yeah because it's voted by your teammates you know it makes it, makes it extra special and then of course when I got like the email about being nominated it was alongside Katie and Denise so I was like oh like it's great to be nominated you know serious those two so um yeah I was like oh my god this is great like teammates have faith in me and then of course when it was like oh it was brilliant um it was I didn't expect it all, of course, because Denise Katie didn't have great years. They had both brilliant with the two of them. So, um, but yeah, it was that made it extra special. I could just be alongside both, both of those players. And um, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to the awards but my sister, I think, had a great time. She picked, <laughs> picked up the award and was in a photo shoot and everything. So I think she probably enjoyed it more than I probably even would have. So um, it was good. Yeah, it's great. It was a great honor. The benefits of being Heather Payne's sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> Happy days. And um, obviously, Heather, you're so young. You've got all your twins ahead of you. And I know you've got your senior year next year. And you've got an amazing amount of time for it left. But are you keeping an eye on the WSL? Do you watch WSL? Are you keeping an eye on European fixtures? Would America, the NWSL, tempt you? Or is your head anywhere near that yet? Are you just kind of going to see how it goes? Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah, my head's always, you know, looking on Twitter, seeing who's doing well. <laughs> and of course, all the team, um, whole team play really well as well, so I need to, like, keep up and see how they're doing. Um, but yeah, I've always been thinking about going back to England, you know, it's very, it's close to home, and, and all, everyone plays there, you know, everyone on the team. And um, I do think I want to go back to Europe, so whether it is England or someone else in Europe, um, of course, I do like living in America. It's a very nice lifestyle. But I don't know if that's my college lifestyle now or if that's like real life. So um, I wouldn't mind. Like that way about UL, you know? <laughs> in Limerick, it was the exact same. Really lovely lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, that's currently in spring break, you know, in Tampa, whatever. Just like us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Very so. I do think eventually I would like to go back to the NWSL, maybe one day, but I don't think I'll go straight off the bat out of college into NWSL. Just because, obviously, the travel is a nightmare too. Obviously, I live somewhere more convenient than Tallahassee, Florida, which takes like three flights to get to Dublin. So, um, obviously, that's I'd like to have a break from that really. But um, I'm always open to the NWSL. I'm open to anywhere, really. I just want to go play pro when I finish. So, um, see what my options are and then go from there. Yeah, I thought um, Galway Dublin was a commute. <laughs> <laughs> That's a serious commute. What's it like then? Um, 
flying in for for camp for Irish camp is it like do you feel jet lagged when you arrive or is it just your super lungs just kick into gear straight away? She's tired. She doesn't tired. Oh, she's I wish. tired. She has her caffeine down to a tea. <laughs> no, I wish. If you ask any of the girls, I'm always out of it. The first first or second day, I'm just, I'm always so jet lagged. I still haven't got the hang of it. And you'll have Denise and Denise will be flying the first day of training and they're trying to keep up. Um, so I still have to get used to that. It is, it's a bit of a nightmare of travel, but it's obviously worth it coming in. I dread it when I'm going and then when I'm in, I'm like, okay, I'm here, it's great. Um, but yeah, the, I'm not great with the jet lag yet, but hopefully, I say hopefully all the time I've been doing it now. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to adjust too well, but um, yeah, it's a bit, a bit of a trip, but it's worth it, yeah. Of course. Do you ever miss Galway slash Roscommon? Or are you just you? Do I ever miss Galway slash Roscommon? Sorry, I'm referring to your homeland as Galway slash Roscommon. I'm trying to be right. Well, let's say Galway. Do you miss Ireland? Do you miss home? Do you do you get homesick ever? Um, I think the university really did me good because I got away from home and experienced it. Obviously, it's not as far, but um, I don't just such get homesick. But I do, of course, miss my family and miss you know the culture is different there's little things that are different so I miss that and so it's nice coming back into camp you know being around that um, when I'm back in camp but yeah of course I miss home um, but also I'm in Florida so I can't complain too much at the same time I was asking me Fahi last week about signing for Galway but I think I'll wait a decade before I cross <laughs> you um, no I, I will I'll have to come back and play with me Fahi Again, she's she'll, be, she'll be playing. She'll be in her forties. <laughs> I'm sure she'll still be there. No, I feel like the P-Man connection is still strong. I like. Of course. And Tegan Roddy would help yeah. me by the neck if I didn't know that today. I need to go back and play. I feel like I'm I'm missing out with Tegan and Zaz. So I'll have to go back and play with them again. Uh, you have to play together at some point. So I think yeah. p is the place for that. And um, the next time you're flying probably will be to camp for this Sweden game. Um, how are you feeling about that? Obviously, you had a really good performance against Sweden. Um, they're an exceptionally strong team. Um, what's the plan for that one? Or is it let's get that game over and done with and concentrate on winning the, the winnable games, we'll say. Um, so, like, it's obviously it's a really important game, the Sweden game. Well, and they're top of the group, so they're obviously expected to win. So I think we're going to win. Kind of, we don't want to lose going into that game as much as they do. So I think we're going to go in and, like, do as best we can, try to get three points, try to get a point, get whatever we can out of the game. Um, you know, if we could get... A, three points off them, that would open up the group massively. So I think that would be great. But obviously it's Sweden and you know, we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. They're obviously a very good team. So I think we're just going to go in, um, you know, go in, have a game plan, I guess, and see how we do. But um, I think the past few games, have really, we've really come on, it kind of seems, um, even just from results, like even the past camp, beating Poland, we lost to them like three years ago, 4 0, we beat them 2 1, and then we beat Wales and everything. So I think that's saying a lot with their progress. So um, I think hopefully when we play them now in April, will be different to how we played them. I can't remember last September, so last October. So um, yeah, we're going to go in, see how we do. Um, any points is good points, so we'll go with that. Yeah, and like you can feel kind of that enthusiasm of anyone we speak to about this campaign. There is an enthusiasm there that you can go and do the job, particularly that Finland game. Um, I think that gave yeah. everyone the kind of 
belief because it is hard to just believe based on the past because we've never done it before so it's hard to have that confidence but we really do feel it for you and we wish you all the best we are so looking forward to seeing you run probably 18 kilometers or so or whatever you get through the match against (laughs) thanks so much for joining us on the podcast that's all for myself ruth and emma on this week's koi gig pod on otb sports in association with cabri fc official snack partner of the republic of ireland's women's national team We'll have plenty more analysis, team of the week chat and philosophical questions from Ruth next week. See you then. The Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.